Jerusalem, and the Lord is responding to Sennacherib. And, you know, men often you know, lift themselves up and boast, and uh, the Lord said, all your boasting is just what I'd already planned for you to do. You're not really doing anything on your own anyway. And uh, so God said in verse 28, I'm going to put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips, and I'm going to turn you right back the way you came. <laughs> you know, God's going to wheel him around with a fish hook, and uh, that'll be that. So uh, th- this continues uh, God's answer that comes through Isaiah. Uh, so chapter 19, 29 to 34. Then this shall be the sign for you. You shall eat this year what grows of itself. And in the second year, what springs from the same? And in the third year, sow, reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and out of Mount Zion survivors. The zeal of the Lord shall perform this. Thus, Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come to this city or shoot an arrow there. Neither shall he come before it with a shield, nor throw up a mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come to this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake, and for my servant David's sake. Alright, the Lord's pretty definitive about this. You know, by the third year, all the agricultural activities will, you know, go back to normal. And the remnant will again take root downward, bear fruit upward. Things will go fine. You know, God is determined that his people are not going to be destroyed by the Assyrians. The Assyrians obviously conquered Israel back in chapter 17, but they are not going to conquer Judah because God's determined they won't. In fact, though the though Sennacherib had conquered a lot of cities of Judah, what does God say about Jerusalem? He won't get there. Yeah, he's not going to even shoot an arrow. <laughs> you know, he's not going to to do anything against this city. He's going to go back home, you know, and not come to this city. I'm going to defend the city for my own sake and for David's sake. God says he's not doing anything against Jerusalem. Now, you know, you've had Sennacherib talking to the people on the wall, and you've had the threatening letter. The Assyrians are saying, you're goners, you better surrender. And God says that, you know, I will defend my city, you know, the Assyrians will go back home. So it's kind of, well, is God tougher or is Sennacherib tougher? And of course, there's not much question about that. Comments and thoughts? So when does this sowing and reaping and yielding take place? What's he talking about? Well, I think he's saying that, uh, you know, this year there's no planting or harvesting. Next year, you know, no planting or harvesting. But by the third year from now, the Assyrians will be so long gone, you'll be able to actually plant and reap and do. So by the third year from now, agriculture will be normal. So why is it not normal? Because the Assyrians are in and out and in and out. So is that when he's going to destroy the army? Yeah, I think so. That's my take. <laughs> yeah, I think because he's going to send it back home, then there's not going to be they're not going to feel threatened and not be able to go outside the walls to work farm, work farmland. And they'd already taken a lot of the surrounding city territory. Yes. 
Yeah. We need a more definite time frame, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, if the third year's not good enough, well. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I just don't know that I can't quite connect that directly with what happens with the Army because it appears that that happens almost immediately, and this is saying something. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we know, you know, when that happens. In fact, you know, I don't know for sure that, say, 31 and 32 are definitely connected. Um, you know, I, I, but I've taken it that when Hezekiah <coughs> showed God the letter, and I'm assuming God answered through Isaiah shortly thereafter, Assyria was not there. Assyria had withdrawn and gone to meet this threat from whoever it was. Uh, and so, but Assyria is there when they're killed. So I'm taking it that it wasn't just right then that that God destroys the Assyrians. Now, you know, it may not be that much longer. I mean, the way he's saying it, it could be within a year he deals with Assyria, but that still messes up the planning and the harvesting of the next year. And so it'd be the third year before they've got just the normal agricultural cycle. Who knows where that's my take. And how long did it take Sennacherib and his army to uh, to depart? I mean, just even though 185,000 of them were killed, I'm assuming there were a few others, you know, hanging out in the countryside somewhere. And for them to all withdraw, that takes... I don't know. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I bet it didn't take too long. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, there's certainly unanswered questions. We don't have the full picture. So there might be some other details that if we knew them would modify what we, <coughs> what we think. <coughs> 35 to 37. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And it came about as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that his sons, uh, <laughs> Adrimelech and Sharazer, killed him with a sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Uh, whatever, his other son became king in his place. Yeah, so, uh, wow, this is just uh, such a powerful, uh, you know, deal here. I mean, the angel of the Lord went out and killed 185,000 of the Assyrian uh, soldiers in one night. That's devastating. Um, for any army, you know, when it's all said and done. Uh, but what makes it even more powerful is uh, if I can find the passage in Second uh, Chronicles thirty two twenty one, the Lord sent an angel who destroyed every mighty warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. Not only was it one hundred eighty five thousand men, <coughs> it included all the brass, you know, all the guys who are, are in charge. So that makes that even worse. I don't know how many were in the army, but whatever was left didn't decide to stick it out. It's interesting that in the Assyrian inscriptions that we've uncovered and some of the Assyrian reliefs, that they talk a lot about the successful siege of Lachish, but they don't say anything about 
uh, Sennacherib's efforts against Jerusalem. Because, <laughs> of course, uh, in uh, ancient annals, uh, you know, you don't ever talk about defeats your country suffered. There, are, there may be victories going, uh, you keep gaining victories against your opponent as you uh, go get closer and closer to where you're from. <laughs> but it's always victories. And so, uh, you think if one angel could kill, kill 185,000 in a night, wonder what a you know goodly number of angels could do in a week. You know, that's, that's wild. And I mean, for all we know, if that angel had, you know, a bigger army to deal with, he might have been able to get more in. I don't know if that was, that really exhausted the work for the night, or if he did that in the first couple hours and he still had time left. But it just makes you realize, wow, the Lord, he can send an angel and do that. Wow. So do you take that, that it says when the 185,000 were killed, and then when men woke up the next morning, so there were some that were left over? Yeah. And so the the fact that that those leftover men were able to sleep through that slaughter, I mean, that's even more incredible. You know, you think that this angel is able to do all of that, and yet everybody was able to sleep through it. That is a good point. Yeah, they didn't scream or whatever. Yeah, good point. I hadn't thought about that. I now have a picture in my head of this angel sitting in a chair drinking a cup of, you know, coffee after killing 185,000 in the first hour, and he's like, got the rest of the night. I'll just sit here. And <laughs> I don't know why. Somehow I don't picture angels drinking coffee. But <laughs> uh, Chocolate? <laughs> well, I mean, so Sennacherib goes home, back to Nineveh. And we know from some historical considerations, this is probably about 20 years later, Sennacherib had bypassed his older son to designate his youngest son, Esarhaddon, as the crown prince, as the heir apparent. And apparently his older sons were none too happy about that, and they did him in. Where was he at the time? Where? In the house of his God. Yeah, I mean, that is just pretty pathetic. You know, that Sennacherib's God couldn't even preserve his life in his own temple, for crying out loud. You would think... If Nisroch was good, was going to be able to do anything, he could save the king's life in Nisroch's own temple. He doesn't even do that, and not even from his own sons. So I think that just really shows you Nisroch is worthless, you know. And and the Lord wins a just complete victory in every sense of the word. Kind of reminds me of Dagon in the when the Philistines. Capture the ark, and you know, how he was just completely impotent. Yeah, God likes to show up those uh, idol gods and just help people see there are nothing. Other thoughts and comments here on nineteen. When um, Mindy and I went to Chicago, they had does Snacker have like a pillar or something? Yeah, I think he does. I, I, the the op, is it an obelisk? No, it's pillar. I don't know. But it had that, and it had um, what he said about this was that he he pretty much made it sound like he trapped 
Jehoshaphat in his city. Uh, Hezekiah. He, or sorry, Hezekiah, not him, sorry. He shut up Hezekiah in, in Jerusalem his, like yeah, a bird in, in a cage, right? Yeah. And yeah. then he left him there. And then they had what other historical accounts say, and they say that an army of, like, I think it was field mice came in and killed 185,000 in one night. Yeah. And for all we know, there might be some truth in that. We don't, yeah. we don't know what, you know, execution method it was, but some have thought it may have been some kind of a plague that just hit, you know. I mean, obviously, not a natural plague, but it may be that, that you know, people died of this terrible disease overnight. Because that is, that is stated in some things. So. It's kind of funny because he tried to make it sound really good, but he never really said he won. Right. Well, I mean, the ancient kings won every battle they ever fought. You know, that was the way that was. Both sides. Yeah, both sides. Yeah, they always won everything. You know, the, you, you, you always have to slant the news in favor of your king. <laughs> so The victor writes the history book. That's exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so where was the army when it was killed? That I don't know. I assume it was near Jerusalem. Um, but I don't know exactly. In, here in Second Kings, it looks like they were not. But even in Second Chronicles, it says they were at Lakeish or Laish or whatever the other. And he just sent the messengers down to Jerusalem. Oh, okay. I mean, I've always heard that you know they were surrounding Jerusalem and the Lord killed them all. But I don't know if there's really any indication of that. This indicates that they went away, went up to fight a different battle, and, I don't know, 35 says that night, the angel of the Lord struck them. No telling what night that was. Right. The night after he said that he was going to send them away. But they had already retreated from Jerusalem because of the rumor they left. And it never says that they came back and surrounded the city or anything. In fact, he says, he shall not come to this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield. It's like, Sennacherib's never even coming back to Jerusalem. I'm going to take care of him somewhere else. Yeah. Um... I'm. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. That may be the case. Um, I don't really know where he was at that point. I agree. He was. He never did like besiege Jerusalem or anything like that. You know. So he never actually, you know, went on the offensive. I think the closest they get to Jerusalem was when Rabshaka was trying to, you know, intimidate him with his propaganda stuff. But that was not a, you know, military exercise. That was more of a diplomatic uh, fiasco. So, 1817, then the king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabarish and Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah with a large army to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. But as far as we know, they didn't do anything as a large army. They were, this was more of a show of force than it was something where they actually tried to fight against Jerusalem, the best I can right, tell. Right, it was just a... Uh, probably an intimidation tactic. I, really, it looks to me like the whole way Sennacherib won't surrender. He doesn't want to fight. 
I think he didn't have the resource and the time and all that. If you could just intimidate him into surrendering, then that's going to be on. But that was still before the rumor. Right. That's correct. So then in 18 or 19, 8 and 9, whatever, that's when he left mm -hmm. because he heard the other rumor and he had to go fight on a different front. So, And then he sent a few extra messengers as he's leaving and saying, oh, don't think you're out of the woods. Cause right. That's right. But then it appeared, I mean, it, my take is they left, went somewhere else, and somebody else got the benefit of them all dying also. <laughs> could be. That could be. Uh, anybody have a thought further on those things? I don't really know the answers to all of them. But good, good observations. Good to, uh, you know, consider the possibilities. All right. Well, um... Chapter 20, then, verses 1 through 11. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set 